Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, listeners, parents, grandparents, family members, friends. This is Richard Iyer. Linda is sitting beside me, but we are in a remote location today, and we've only got one phone between us, so we don't really mind. We can we can adjust. We are flexible, so uh, I'll talk for a little while, and when you're really tired and sick of listening to me, then I'll feel that by the vibrations coming back through the phone line, and I'll hand the phone off to Linda, and she can carry on for a little while. We are indeed on the road today. We've been uh, to a funeral. We we, we were at Stephen Covey's funeral a short time ago and spent a whole radio show talking about that because he was indeed our mentor in many, many ways, including our parenting and family mentor, and we miss him dearly. But we thought we would bring that up again as a sort of a juxtaposition today because we have been up in Idaho attending the funeral of a lovely, lovely man named Jack Crane, a father of one of Linda's best friends growing up up in the Bear Lake area of Idaho. And Jack Crane was almost 93 years old. He had sold us the first two horses we ever had, and we are dearly in love with horses, and we've never had any better horses than what Jack Crane found for us. And what I want to do for a minute, and then let Linda add to it, is sort of a comparison and a juxtaposition of the funeral of Stephen Covey with the funeral of Jack Crane, because I think there are some family lessons some parenting lessons, some prioritizing lessons to be learned from the comparison. Now, on the surface, you would say, how could there ever have been two more different men? Stephen Covey, known worldwide as a guru, as a mentor, as a writer, as a speaker, as a presenter, as a philosopher, revered literally by millions of people, the world really was his canvas. He was a citizen of the world. And then you compare that with our friend Jack Crane, who we just left his funeral a few moments ago, a man who made a choice early in his life, very bright man, probably could have done other things, but decided his calling in life, if you will, was to stay at home, to be a farmer, He had a little ranch, a little farm. He lived in a little town called Bennington, Idaho. Never had a desire to go very far away. I'm sure he came to Salt Lake City a few times, but I doubt he traveled very much more than that, although he was a Marine in World War II. So his travel and his exposure to the world came very young in his life, and maybe that was part of the reason he decided he didn't need that anymore. But by choice, he was a small-town farmer and known by very few people, but those who did know him loved him. His little town probably had four or 500 people in it. And uh, he lived out his days raising his family and uh, being a good guy, going around, helping on projects and so on. He was known for his ability to train horses and for his willingness 
and ability to help anyone with any project that they were doing. He was there. He also made sawhorses and stools that he gave away. And one of the speakers said he had given away at least 2,500 of these handmade little stools and sawhorses, just as tokens of his esteem, and he thought they were useful for people. So on the surface, you say, wow, two incredibly different individuals. But what I became of aware of during the funeral was not the differences, but rather the similarities, because both of these men lived long, full, family-oriented lives. And that was the that was the thing that was talked about most at both of these funerals. It wasn't even in the case of Stephen Covey's, who people could have talked about his best-selling books and his his amazing seven habits of highly effective people and so on. But instead, the funeral for Stephen Covey was basically about his husbandship and his fathership and how much he prioritized his children and his wife and his grandchildren. And with Jack, who was 13 years older when he died than Stephen was, the funeral and featuring his grandchildren and indeed one great-grandchild who is now a young man in his 20s was about the very same things. And I was sitting there thinking how amazing it is that uh, you've heard the old cliché no one ever says on their deathbed, oh, I wish I'd spent a little more time with the business. What everyone says, but probably less than most, these two great men, because they got it right while they were alive, what, the, what most people say is, I wish I'd spent a little more time with my family. I wish I'd prioritized the things that matter most in my life, even if it caused me to sacrifice many other things that I may have wanted to do. And so that's the thing I wanted to pass on. I'll hand this off to Linda and let her comment in a moment. But isn't it remarkable that two people outwardly so different, one a global figure, one a very, very local figure, were remembered for exactly the same things, for their love of their children, for the amount of time they spent with their children, for the priority in which they held their family and their wife and their children, and that that is the true measure of a man's life and of his success. We've got about uh, four more minutes until we'll take a little break, so let me hand this to Linda to add whatever thoughts she has, and then when we come back after the break, we'll spin off into a couple of other areas. Well, I like what Richard had to say. We've been driving in separate cars because my sister came all the way from Salt Lake City up to Idaho to play the piano while I played the violin for the funeral, which was his request. And he's probably one of the only people in the world that I would play a solo for. Um, I just don't play a solo very much anymore. I play in string quartets and so on. So it was a stretch for me, but... It was so delightful to have a chance to do something for this wonderful man. We had we spent so many fun times at his house. He used to hook up horses and sleighs and take us out on the snow in the winter. And um, I remember so many fun parties in the basement of their little house, which he built with his own hands, um, with, with our teenage friends in high school. 
it was a delight to be back there. The stunning thing to me, though, was that all of my friend Polly, who was my age, and we had a little group of friends that we've never forgotten, and we've stayed closely connected all through the years, but she had all these little sisters that uh, were kind of always in the way, but they were always bright and happy and, and kind of uh, want to be in on the party. And they suddenly got old. All of those sisters were old today, Richard. I can't believe what happened. Um, they were just little girls yesterday. Suddenly, they are grandmothers themselves. Oh, my goodness. Time is so amazing. And when you think of 92-plus years, how amazing that is that you see what happens in that that span of time. And some, in some ways, it seems like it was yesterday that I was there. I spent the fourth grade there because my elementary school burned down when I was in the third grade. And so they sent us out to Bennington for school. And luckily, my mother was my teacher, which was a year I will never forget. She was one of the most wonderful teachers ever for a lot of kids, but especially for me. I do remember once in a while her saying, I can't do this, Linda, because I can't give you the prize for the best picture because you're my daughter and people would raise their eyebrows, so I'm going to have to give it to someone else. But your work is outstanding. I mean, you know, really had a great mom, too, but it brought back so many memories of the childhood gone. All of a sudden, all those years are gone, and now those kids are our grandchildren's. I mean, our grandchildren are those kids that were that age when we were there. So time flies, and um, it makes me appreciate friendships, how important it is to stay connected to friends. Old friends are such treasures. And I actually just had um, a party with these friends from high school last week. And, of course, we didn't realize that Holly's father was going to pass away so eminently. But it was so fun for to catch up with them and to remember the old times that we had together, but also to catch up on what was going on in our lives now. Life just gets harder and more expensive, and isn't it true? I mean, one of our friends couldn't come because she was preparing for knee surgery. She just found that her sister had brain cancer and wasn't going to last very long. Another um, was just moving house, um, kind of downsizing because her husband has cancer and they were trying to get her into a place where they, she could take care of herself because he decided not to have treatment. And there's just so many things that happen to our lives as we evolve through our childhood and then young adulthood and parenthood and grandparenthood and now as we see the things that are happening in the lives of our friends. But it's important and I hope that you agree with us that friendships are truly treasures. We'll be back in a minute. We can't wait to continue the conversation on a little different um, a little different strain and we come back in just a few minutes. Okay, Radio Land listeners, we're back. Richard and Linda Iyer. Iyer's on the road for another 13 or 14 minutes today and we're in a reflective mood, having just attended this funeral of an old, old friend. And I rarely feel inspired enough to try to write a poem, but I did in this case. I want you to think about what we said earlier about Stephen Covey and Jack Crane, how different they were on the surface, but how similar they were deep down. And I want to read you this poem and see if it just drives home, perhaps, some of the points we were trying to make. 
It's called Stephen and Jack. Two funerals, vast hall in a humble chapel, a guru and a cowboy, a citizen of the world and a small-town farmer, a lover of concepts and a lover of horses, one nearly 80, the other nearly 93. One gave us guidance and advice, the other gave us a horse. One roved the entire world, the other stayed on his Idaho farm. One taught heads of state and vast throngs, the other taught grandkids. One gave riveting speeches and wrote bestsellers, the other gave help and fish ponds and step stools. Yet they were more the same than they were different. Both loved and prioritized large families and had three-figure posterities. Both loved and served God and were true to testimonies of Christ and his restoration. Both loved their fellow man and liked to be with people. Both loved their wife and their children, one for 53 years and the other for 66 both loved life and celebrated it in their own way, and both found the joy they were sent here to seek. Again, I don't claim to be a poet, but sometimes you just have to give things a try because you feel so grateful for what you learn, and that was the case in terms of these funerals. And this is usually a parenting show, and we're usually oriented to young families and young children, but we all need to remember and sort of remind ourselves periodically that family is much bigger than that. And, you know, Americans are really the only ones in the world that sort of mean a nuclear family when we say family, parents and children living in one house. Most of the rest of the world, when you say family, you mean much more than that. You mean three or four generations living under one roof where the grandparents are often the leaders of the family and where there are a lot of opportunities to teach and interact, more so perhaps than we have here. And, and a lot of us need to remind ourselves that, our fam of course, our families are our children. Of course, our families are our parents. But, but they're more than that. They are extended. It's a wonderful word, extended families, because they do extend in so many directions and so our minds even though we're almost always talking about parenting and about raising children our minds are on the fact that that often involves grandparents as well and it often involves multi-generations and so since we're on that tack I should mention that the other thing that happened this very week actually the last part of last week was my mother, who turned 90 years old, and we journeyed up to her home and gathered together, my brothers, and I have three brothers and one sister, and we gathered together with one of Ruth, my mother's sisters, one of two that's still left alive out of ten, and we just honored my mother, and, and it was so interesting because 
she has severe dementia and does not remember anything for more than about five minutes, although she can remember a lot of things from her early life. We don't call it Alzheimer's because people who know far more than I do tell me that there is a difference between dementia and Alzheimer's and that the way you know if someone's got Alzheimer's is if the person themselves seems to no longer be there. My mom is still there. She's still who she is. She's delightful. She's funny. She's kind. She loves to tell little jokes. She gets jokes when you tell them to her. She has the same laugh and the same way about her that uh, she's always had. It's just that she can't remember five minutes before. My brother said after we all left and packed up and went home, he took her back to her home, and uh, she said, have we just been somewhere? And he said, yes, we've been to your birthday party. And she said, we have? And then she said, is it my birthday? And so in a way, you could say, oh, that's so sad. You can't remember anything. But the part of it that isn't sad is that she really is still herself, and she's a delightful woman. And the fact that, well... On the one hand, you might say, well, why even go see her five minutes after you're gone? She can't remember you were there. And, of course, the reason is because in the moment while we are there, or especially when her grandchildren and great-grandchildren are there, she feels joy, and she shows it. And the tear runs down her cheek, sometimes from joy and sometimes from sadness when she hears the name Dean, which is the name of my father who has now been gone for more than 50 years. She's been a widow for more than 50 years. So there's sadness there, and there's joy, and there's humor. And it all comes to her. It's just hard for her to remember it. But what a what a wonderful thing for all of us to learn that, uh, you know, families are not just taking care of children. Families are taking care of parents and of grandparents. And more so than ever before, so many families now are, and sometimes it's used almost as a derogatory or sort of depressing term. They're sandwiched between taking care of their kids on one hand and taking care of their aging parents on the other hand, as though what could be worse? We have no time for ourselves. We're so busy taking care of family. But when we pull back and think about it, that's what life is all about. And we, we take turns taking care of each other. Our parents care for us, and then hopefully we have a time later in life when we can take care of them. In my case, my youngest brother, Kevin, has shouldered most of that burden and actually lives now with my mother and takes care of her, and we're all so grateful for that, and we try to help where we can. But we just thought it was a good time to have that reminder to us and perhaps maybe to you as well that uh, families are extended, families are forever. And Linda, I think, has a whole lot to add on that subject. Well, I couldn't resist, since Richard was talking about the joy that Grandma feels just while we're in the moment with her. Her eyes just light up when she sees grandchildren, even though she has no idea who they are. She knows she's surrounded by people that love her. So, actually, our oldest daughter had heard her say that for her birthday, she wanted to go back to her old home, which is the original Joy School. What you don't know about this amazing woman 
is that not only has she been a widow for 50 years and raised those five children on her own, but she also created the very first lesson plans for what we called Joy School. We started that about 35 years ago, and we had written a book called Teaching Your Children Joy. And at that very same time, we were called to uh, be, uh, Richard was called to be a mission president in England. And so we handed her the book, and we said, let's work at a curriculum that works to teach preschoolers how to really enjoy life. Little preschoolers are so um, spongy. They just soak in everything you want to teach them. And the thing we want to teach our kids is how joyful life is, not how hard or, you know, you've got to learn to read, you've got to learn your numbers, and so on and so on. It really is a time to feel the joy of the body and the joy of the earth and the joy of setting goals and the joy of family security and the joy of uniqueness and all those good things that little children need to learn. And so, amazingly, this wonderful grandma, who was not a grandma at that time, I mean, she was a grandma, but um, she was not old. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And um, she actually sat down and looked through that book to one chapter at a time. There were 12 joys that you could teach little children. And she sat down and wrote a minute-by-minute lesson plan for each one of those joys, one per month. And so what we came up with was two lesson plans a week. They were two and a half hours long. And she figured out finger plays and dance projects and art projects and wonderful activities to teach these joys to these little children. We couldn't believe it. She is an early childhood education major, so she had a chance to really use her expertise to make this work. And then we bought a little school in Logan and remodeled it and painted it up joyfully and uh, actually ended up using that for her experimental school to see if her ideas really worked. And guess what? It did. We're so thrilled. At that, uh, that time, we had no idea how far this would go. But actually, it's gone a long way. We have about 200,000 parents now that have done Joy School in their homes, and there's also some commercial Joy Schools. So I can see I've inspired Richard because he has something to say to close off with this comment about the wonderful joy of Joy Schools. I couldn't help uh, wanting to chip back in one more time, Linda, before the time is up today. And and to say, uh, we just, I think we mentioned last week on the show that we had been down at Education Week at BYU. And the one thing that kind of troubled me a little is how many people came up to us and said, whatever happened to Joy School? We did Joy School with our kids, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful do-it-yourself preschool, and we were able to rotate with other friends we had and be the teachers and and we loved it so much. And where's Joy School now? And, and it's so fun to say, oh, my goodness, it's so much bigger and better than it ever was back when you did it because we no longer have to mail out the lesson plans and the cassette tapes. Remember those old cassette tapes? It's all online now, and the uh, music activities are all in MP3 files, and you don't need to get anything in the mail. You can just get the lesson plans right on your computer and you can teach them to kids and you can help these three and four-year-olds learn the joys that preschoolers are the best learners of in the universe. And so um, 
We've had fun today talking about, thinking about different things. And before Linda closes, let me just say, um, let's honor those who've gone before, whether they be a Stephen Covey or a Jack Crane or a Ruth Iyer, still alive at 90 years old, but now wishing she were not alive anymore and could go on and, and move on to the next phase of existence. But even as we honor them and all the contributions they've made to our lives, let's remember the other end of the spectrum, our little children, and let's teach them joy. And if you're someone who's never heard of Joy School, we invite you to go online and go to joyschools, with an S, dot com, and see if there's someone in your family that's a little kid that ought to be learning more joy. We just hope you have a joyful week, and we will be talking again soon. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.